0: If a B-52 almost crashed into your house and then you saw a UFO, don't you think it would be about time to find a new neighborhood? This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place
1: and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad.
0: You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. One person I might have to reach out to in the coming weeks is Joe Johns from CNN. Joe went viral uh, this week after he had a confrontation with uh, a raccoon on the White House lawn. So he's, a, he's a Washington correspondent for CNN, and so he does a lot of stand-ups in front of the, the White House. And, and literally, the raccoon kept interrupting him. And right before he goes on the air, he, uh, he, he's uh, dealing with this raccoon and actually throws a bag at the animal to try to get him... To get him uh, to to go away, uh, the raccoon does eventually leave, and he does his uh, live shot with uh, with uh, no interruption. After that, get!
1: there he is. Ah! Now, no events on the president's schedule today. And important to say, the White House, yeah, especially from the damn Frickin raccoons, man.
0: God, again, this is the second time. Jesus. So props to Joe Johns for for being such a professional and, and getting through his uh, his his work even when interrupted by mother nature. Of course, you'd already know about Joe Johns' uh, raccoon encounter. If you went to keithconradmedia.com and signed up for my free email newsletter, the News Side Quest, you'll read a bunch of uh, interesting stories that Generally, aside from Joe Johns being a political correspondent, avoids politics like the plague. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll say, what? So visit KeithConradMedia.com and sign up. It's on the right-hand side of the page. Also remember to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to be listening, because it helps new people find the show. My guest this week is the co-host of the Hannah and Fred Show, every Sunday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., on WCGO in Chicago. Hannah Stanley, thanks so much for joining me this week.
1: Oh, Keith, it's my pleasure. I really I, I'm super excited to get to do this with you.
0: Well, maybe you won't be by the time we're done. I don't I don't know. Time will tell. <laughs> so I uh I'm a big aviation geek. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad when I was growing up he was uh, he was a private pilot so he'd you know fly in Cessna's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have uh, I have Meniere's disease, so I can't actually fly uh, fly an airplane myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, which, which yeah, Meniere's is really bad. My parents both have it.
0: I, I think it it would actually help me be a pilot because I can't tell right from up anyway. So you know, up and down <laughs> anyway. So yeah, <laughs> I, I have to pay extra attention. So you think I would I would be better at it.
1: Yes, it would be, uh, that's something that we might want to prove in a simulator.
0: I, I think so, yeah. Although, I, I will say that um, uh, at one point, um, uh, I, I had said on a, on a show that I was working on, I had said, well, you know, I have this condition so I can't fly a plane, but if I was on a plane and, and uh, somebody had to Ted Stryker the plane, mm-hmm. uh, nice. I, I could actually do that. <laughs> Like if there if there wasn't a if there wasn't a, a a licensed pilot, I could step in because I actually know how to do everything. I'm just not actually allowed to do it, and uh, we we never quite got around to it. But uh, they had this elaborate plan of getting me in a flight simulator and just just letting me go and see if I could actually land it without any instruction.
1: Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, Ted Stryker had instruction to some degree, so. Um... That's the difference. Yeah, no, I think you could probably uh, be okay. I'd, I'd trust you if I had no other option.
0: Yeah, if the flight attendant is standing at the front of the airplane and she says, does anybody have any flying experience, I would just raise my hand and say, listen, if you're really desperate, if, if there's nobody no else raises else. their hand, you yeah. can definitely count on me. But This but- is
1: like all of a sudden I almost broke into the A-Team uh, opening monologue and I don't know why, but Yeah. <laughs> So so anyway if you could, you know, And if you can find them, maybe you can hire Keith Conrad.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh I, I think we're onto something here. Uh but uh, <laughs> uh I have I'm very thankful uh the the worst um situation I've ever had to deal with in a plane was a, a very stormy approach to Nashville, Tennessee. And Oh uh, yeah. Uh, uh, That's I, not
1: a big airport either.
0: No, and and we were we we're flying southwest and uh I mean I, I don't know how many tornadoes were in the area, but it, I mean, this was a really big storm and the airplane is bouncing up and down. The mm-hmm. guy next to me is like grabbing onto both uh, seat handles and he's just terrified. And then the flight attendant comes on the uh, PA system and starts singing. The weather started getting rough. The ship was tossed.
1: <laughs> I love Southwest. <laughs> I love Southwest. I used to be a very bad passenger during landings. It felt like to me, that was when the most things could go wrong. And mm-hmm. I, I know statistically, it's actually more takeoff. Um, but I was white knuckling uh, my, my seat, my armrests at, at, on approach once. And the guy next to me said, you okay? And I said, I'm not a good lander. And he said, very deadpan, the pilot is. And I laughed so hard. And that was the last time I had stress on a flight. I'm (laughs) like, this is not, I have nothing to do with it. Me willing it down safely is not going to help. So I just, uh, I just relaxed and realized people who had far more training, um, and far less Munir's disease than you, uh,
0: are in charge. Um, yeah, and they have uh they generally have uh, families and friends that they would like to see again, so you're probably typically you know, they, they're yeah. they're as invested in uh, in the plane landing safely as you are.
1: Yeah, there's bonuses attached to it, yeah. I'm guessing. So, yeah, I would uh, I'm not worried about it anymore.
0: That's probably a good thing, but uh you you did have your own uh, aviation scare. Uh oh, that th- that was not uh, yeah, not, not an airplane that you were involved in, but uh, you, you were definitely invested in that. Oh, too.
1: no, but I recognized it So my my father was in the Air Force when I was little uh, Little little like but I was born on a base uh, a SAC base as a matter of fact um, and um, So I any you know, there were B 52s because it was strategic air command um, during um, Vietnam mm-hmm. so my my mom And dad were both very aware of what B-52s were. I was, um, you know, having Air Force in my family. My grandfather was Army Air Corps, so that was the precursor to the Air Force. So I grew up knowing a lot about military aircraft. Um, And one day, I was 12. My mom was pregnant with my little brother. My sister was nine at the time. And there was just the most, and you know, and and Keith, I know you know this, there's a difference between military. Engine sound, right? Military aircraft engines mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, just like oh, that's a prop plane. Yeah, um, I, I think it's mostly because yeah.
0: the uh, the military, you know, civilian, they're trying to make uh, everything comfortable for the passengers, and they're yes. and, and they're actually like required to be to make everything as quiet as possible so that they're not yes. disturbing the people around the airport the airport in the military they're not worried about they
1: don't care no the people around the airport are their people so they don't get a they if if they want them to complain they will tell them to so um yeah so there's there was this incredibly loud screaming engine sound that was approaching from outside and um uh, my father was at work this is the middle of the day this is like I'm going to say, and I'm trying to remember what was on TV because I know exactly where I was sitting Um, and something was on television. But anyway, um, we we were sitting on the couch and it was um, a ranch home. So there was a plate glass window behind me. So I in the Chicago terminology, we were in the front room. Right. Right. Um, Because it was right next to the front door. But I could look out the back because then the kitchen was like tucked behind you know, cause it was before open concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see out the, the kitchen window where the kitchen table was and the entire backyard went black. It was completely in shadowed. Uh, so whatever it was that was heading towards us, it had blacked out the sun and cast a shadow over our yard. So, um, so it's the middle of the afternoon, middle. Of, I I'm guessing it's like one, two, two o'clock in the afternoon. And my, mom we can see this plane and it is barreling towards the house um and my mom grabs my sister and i and falls onto the floor and is screaming i'm never going to see my baby and we're both my sister and i are both very much crying although having lived through this and looking back on it as a memory it's almost like i am separated from the person who was there it's probably a sure sign of ptsd i'm not sure but um this plane was going to crash in our house and we all i don't think my sister realized what type of a plane it was but we were able to see the underbelly of the plane the engines the wingspan and as it passed over our house i remember saying it missed it missed And then we jumped up on the couch and handprints on the plate glass window because we knew it was going to kill our friends who lived a street, two streets beyond, because it was coming down. Mm -hmm. And miraculously, um, they pulled it up. They were able to, whatever was going on with that plane, they got through it. But it was not more than... hundred feet above the house. Oh wow! I mean, that, that's 10 stories, but a plane that large, um, that's really close. That's yeah. You really can probably really see
0: close. what, see the, uh, what color eyes the pilot had.
1: Okay. So here's what's interesting. It, it, this is where it gets a little wacky. My mom, once we are like, we're alive. Yay. She runs to aforementioned kitchen area. Cause that's where the phone was on the wall. Um, and with the, with the cord that had been stretched out to maybe six feet. Um, so she called my dad at work and she said, Roger, uh, a B-52 almost crashed into the house. And he laughed hysterically. Uh, he was like, no, no. And she was like, Roger, we lived in a base. I know what a B-52 is. I saw it. It almost crashed into the house. I mean, she was in hysterics. And he was like, okay, 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 okay. Then my grandfather um, was still working and he worked for WGN uh, at the time. I think he was at WGN TV and some at one point in his career, he was at radio and television. Um, and by the way, he passed away before I got my job. So it had nothing to do with that. Um, but anyway, uh, he she called him and he said, OK, well, I'm going to you know, we're getting a call to the newsroom. I'll see what goes on. But truthfully, I don't think he really believed her either. Mm-hmm. My dad comes home later and he goes, you know, so-and-so, because when you remember stories from when you were a kid, aren't aren't all the parties named so-and-so? Because I don't remember who he was actually talking about. Right. So, yeah. so I was talking to so-and-so and he was on North Avenue. And by the way, I lived in the western suburbs mm-hmm. of Chicago at this time. And he said he was on North Avenue, which, if you're around the area, also known as Route 64. Um, he was on North Avenue, and he saw a B-52 like a hundred feet right above the house. Uh, he was very close to us when this was going on, and he he said the pilot was blonde. And so <laughs> now he now he started believing um, because there were more confirmed sightings. Mm-hmm. But again, this is before cell phone cameras or anybody, really, you would have had to have the camera out ready just in case um, it was that fast.
0: Yeah. Like the, the, the DC picture. 10 that crashed at, uh, at O'Hare, you know, in the seventies, in yeah. the there's one picture, you know, showing yeah. it right before it crashed. And,
1: uh, yeah.
0: you know, that that's it. If it happened today, there would be hundreds yeah. of video and so, everything.
1: Absolutely. So that was flight 191. Um, and yeah, that would have been live streamed on Facebook from inside and outside. Um, yeah. uh, and that's, that's an interesting thing because that one, uh, I have a story about that too. Of course I have a story about everything. <laughs> um, I was in kindergarten or first grade when that happened and I walked out of my grade school and there was a mushroom cloud oh, and I knew wow. something really bad had happened. And it was the mushroom cloud from, the crash of 191 um, and one of my very very close friends growing up and to this day her dad was supposed to have been on that flight and oh, forgot wow. his briefcase at home and um, turned around because it was a business trip he had to have his briefcase and he missed his flight and he watched it crash.
0: Wow so, so. so that's that's uh, not not quite on the same level as uh, Seth McFarland who is supposed to uh, fly in one of the the hijacked planes on nine eleven, but he was so hungover that he missed his flight.
1: But but it's yeah. it's in the ballpark. No, but and and really, God, that's a crazy one. But yeah. uh but but similar and always one of those things where like we were always I don't know, it was growing up and having that knowledge was always just a very strange um second chance to be aware of.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and and anytime you'd see a, a plane doing anything weird, you'd be uh, you'd be be looking looking at it.
1: Yeah, kind of yeah, absolutely. And I've always, you know, if I see one that's a little bit low or the engine sound a little off, I'm always waiting for because they don't just plummet from the sky, right? That's not <laughs> how it actually works. Um, but it's it's a very strange thing to have lived through and seen and then to have so few other people have had that same experience mm-hmm. um where it just i mean clearly it doesn't come in up to in conversation very often like hey did you ever have a b-52 almost crashed in your house No, nope? okay just me <laughs> the, um, yeah,
0: the, the only time it'll come up is when uh when your friend keith is like hey come, come tell a crazy story <laughs> in my podcast
1: yeah and i'm like well there's this one and you're like that sounds good
0: so, so the biggest life lesson that I'm 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 getting from this is that uh, you should always keep your eyes uh, on the skies because you never know. Eyes when you on the see skies,
1: and now that we have phones and cameras on us, just always have them ready because people would believe you with photographic proof. I guess my dad would have at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he wouldn't have laughed it off
1: no and yeah that was just what was so weird but i mean we watched the news coverage and they were like there was nothing nothing about it um because nobody had video so mm-hmm. what what is it Pixar it didn't happen that's yeah. like the new thing that's that's kind of what they said to us in the uh the mid 80s yeah
0: you so- think there would have been some record of that but
1: uh you'd think unless they weren't supposed to be what they, like why would there be a b-52 above suburban chicago no one knows that's true and, and it's, it... he was, my brother was born in august so it would have been in the summer and um he so that wouldn't have even been Aaron and water show like i've gone through this multiple times in my head um yeah but it would have been the summer of 84 that this would have happened
0: Wow and mm-hmm. as I understand it that's not even the strangest thing that happened to you in that neighborhood
1: no totally not so weirder although this one wasn't crashing I was driving with aforementioned baby brother who my mom was pregnant with at this time to- at the time of the first one of the stories I guess I've now I'm now on my third story um if we count 191 as a side tangent so yeah. um, We were driving through Glen Ellen at the time um, from Roosevelt Road towards we were driving north. And it's a Sunday afternoon. It's like four o'clock. So it's that really pretty time of day where it's sort of it's not really dusk, but it's, you know, the sun's a little bit more golden. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was really just thinking, wow, this is such a pretty little town. And my brother, I looked at my brother who was in the front seat, um, although now I don't think he would have been because of state regulations for safety, um, because he was younger. But he was in the front seat, and he said, and he's just looking. And I go, what? And I looked up in the sky where he was looking, and I slammed my brakes because there was an airplane in the sky that was totally stopped. And I went... And I'm like, I'm kind of, I wish there was video of this, sort of. Um, but there, my mouth was just like kind of a gape, And I went, um, and he goes, it doesn't have any wings, Hannah. And I said, it doesn't. <laughs> and <laughs> so we were looking at this aircraft that didn't look like any other aircraft. And while trying to process it, it, it was amazing to listen to my brain try to make sense of it mm-hmm. while it was going on. And I knew I couldn't like I had the car came to a complete stop because I just, I could not process it and drive at the same time. And so I had hit my brakes and I just stood there and then, or I sat there in the car and then all of a sudden it darted East and I um took so, off so after it. it Cause it goes... what else do you do?
0: it goes from not moving at all like like you're you're looking at it just stopped to yeah shooting so so there's really
1: exactly like it is in the movies where it's perfectly stopped and then it goes exit stage right totally what happened
0: well because totally there's no way what happened. but like when you first said oh there's an airplane that stopped like i i know you know there's um you know if the airplane is moving in one direction and you're moving in another you know, right. there's there's a way nope. that it can it can look like it, yep. it's not nope, moving that's not, it. it's not but but then nope. you say, then you drop the it has no wings and that
1: that's what it of has makes it mysterious has no wings yeah and i just and everything he was like saying is something that i was processing in my head i'm like okay well this makes total sense. It is an airplane and it just appears like it has stopped. Clearly we are driving that quickly. Um, and then you do the quick, like, did you see that when you're looking around and there is no one else outside um, on a beautiful day. And so that was a little peculiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it darted, it, it moved very rapidly towards the East. As I mentioned, we were heading North and, um, And I turned at the next, like I was, I don't know, a house or two from the corner. But if anybody's familiar with Glen Ellen, it's very tree filled and Mm -hmm. moderately hilly. Um, And and it was gone. I had no further view of it because I kept thinking, I'll see it in a different light. And it will clearly appear to be something that I do know what it is.
0: Yeah, but but that still doesn't explain why uh, like like even if you were looking at it from a weird angle and that's the only reason it didn't look like mm-hmm. it had wings, but it turns out it did. That, that yeah. you know, you can't really explain it was stopped or even appeared to be stopped and <laughs> right. then went in a completely different direction at a at a high rate of speed. Like there's just no way you speed. could do that.
1: Like it was just sitting there hovering and then Bing, gone. Um, so then we went home, which was only
0: And your I don't dad know. said, Hannah, that was a B fifty two?
1: No No, he was like, Ever since that B fifty two story. No, he my parents were both outside. Um, and we got out of the car and they both looked at us and they, they said, Everything okay? Are you guys all right? Or something along those lines. And I didn't say anything. And my brother, Walker, goes, we just saw a UFO. And <laughs> and my dad looked up and he had this really weird grin on his face. And he goes, did you really? Like, not like, are you blanking kidding me? Like, you're the same person who said it'd be if you two almost crashed into the house. Like, literally, like, well, that's cool. <laughs> he was like, that's awesome. And then my mom went, "Uh, let's go talk to them. And they separated us. Um, my mom took me upstairs to my room and basically interviewed me about what I had seen, what it had done, what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they switched, and they interviewed it. My dad interviewed us, and our stories were exactly the same. And what was interesting, and and we couldn't have proven this to them, the rest of the way home, my brother and I said nothing. We did not like there was nothing to say. I just like we lost whatever we were looking at and I just turned and went home, which was only three, four, five minutes
0: mm-hmm.
1: from where we had been. Um and then we got out of the car and that was the first thing Walker said was we it was either I, I we saw a UFO or we saw a flying saucer. And my dad's my dad going, did you really? And with the with the how cool is that look was very <laughs> Very interesting.
0: And I love how your parents' reaction was uh, to immediately go like all detective and you know separate he you did. Make sure you, your stories were straight. That that's awesome.
1: Yeah, well, and I had mentioned that my grandfather was, you know, uh news director or he had worked for WGN, so he was mm-hmm. news director of radio and television at one point. So we have some of this journalistic mindset in our blood, right? But yeah, in, immediately they separated us and and uh, put on a, a single light bulb in each room, <laughs> and um, and for it was very weird because it became black and white all of a sudden everything, but um, sepia toned really. Right there, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but but it was very interesting that they did that and that 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 was how. Um, but then our stories correlated, and then I took colored pencils, which I happened to have. I mean, I was driving, so I was probably 17 at the point, maybe 18, Um, but I happened to have colored pencils and I drew like this tiny little drawing of it and I brought it downstairs and set it on the table and Walker goes, that's it. I was like, yep, that's it. That's what we saw. Um, And then again, my mom called news stations and said, hey, and I begged her not to. I was like, Mom, they're going to take information. I'm going to be labeled as crazy. Like, this, is, please don't make this. Because, again, I'm a teenager, so now I think everything's going to go on my permanent record. Um, and nobody had called in or reported anything. I was the only person, apparently, with my little brother who had seen anything that day.
0: Wow. Well, now, you know, the uh, uh, the men in black will be coming to pay you a visit now that you've shared the story. <laughs>
1: That's okay. I don't mind. Yeah. They are uh, they have some cool toys. Uh, well, thank so. you so
0: much for sharing your stories, Hannah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Again, anytime, it's always great to get to hang out with you and, and rehash some of these bizarre things that have happened that I don't think about frequently.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some bizarre stuff happening out there.
1: There is. I think George Norrie is going to call, so I got to go. Gabatron. <laughs> <laughs>